All right. Well, we're putting a bookend on this series, Stay Positive, and it's way beyond sending good vibes. It's way beyond just, uh, you know, ignoring and putting our fingers in the ears and saying la, 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 la to the reality around us. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, the purpose of this season of series of messages is because things aren't very positive right now around us. But we are not called to be just uh, uh, of the world. We're, we're called and we're in the world, but we're not of it. We're called to help transform the world as Christ followers. Uh, we're supposed to, um, if, if, if work is no different when Christ followers are there, something's missing and a key ingredient really is the fruit of the Spirit, uh, active in our lives as we surrender one day at a time uh, to Jesus. And so this series, Stay Positive, uh, yes, yes, even now I need to make a, a slight adjustment if we could, thank you. Um, that, that's, that's a little better, or it's not better, I don't know, it depends on where you're coming from, uh, who knows uh, what that's all about. I'll tell you what it's about, it's losing my freedom, I'll tell you what it's about, you hate people if you don't wear a mask, oh, love, don't get me started right here. It's a safe place, everybody. You can wear a mask, or if you don't want to wear a mask, it's, it's, it's a safe place. But I want to say this. Let me jump right in. We're going to take some notes today. It's really hard to stay positive when. Because every single person, regardless of their attitude or how they were raised or their good vibes, it's hard to stay positive when. These three things occur, and they occur, they occur to the person who is the prayer warrior, who enters the prayer closet every day, the person who's the faithful Christ follower, the person who is a senior saint, or those that have just dipped their, their toe in the water of Christianity. It's hard to stay positive when circumstances are uncontrollable, when unemployment is an all-time high, when there's mandates that you agree with or you disagree with, when you feel like things around you are spinning and you're trying to find your balance, when circumstances are un uncontrollable. Uh, you can't control what that next person is, is doing, and it's so easy to give them the steering wheel of your emotions. It's hard to stay positive when people are unchangeable. When you've asked your kids a dozen times, how many times do I have to tell you? Apparently one more. <laughs> Apparently a couple more times. When your kids seem unchangeable. When you've prayed for your spouse who maybe is a non-believer or, or, or there's this tension in the marriage and you're like, well, I want this ever change. It seems like people are unchangeable and it's tough to stay positive. This happens to us all when problems are unexplainable. You know, we think that questions will give us what we need when we just, God, why? And the thought that if God would answer why, that all of a sudden we would, we would understand and say, oh, no. Do you know one moment in Jesus' ministry where, mo where many of his disciples, it was the most heated moment and many of his disciples left him not long after there? It was not when uh, he just spoke on, with the Sermon on the Mount and spoke some hard truths about legalism and law and love. It was actually after he raised the dead. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, then he started talking about having no part of me, you, uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood. It was in that season where they were actually afraid, oh man, we don't know what to do. In fact, the Pharisees, they, after they saw Lazarus raised from the dead, they determined that it was time to to kill Jesus. I mean, that should have answered the question, is he really who he's saying he is? That's blasphemous. That would have answered the, what's going on here? But even when he answered, I am who I say I am, people in their heart chose to not see that. But beyond that, problems can be unexplainable. When kids get sick, when tragedy strikes, when a sudden loss of a loved one, sudden loss of a job, sudden loss, more month left at the end of the money, when problems are just unexplainable. And you and I really have three responses because God is so gracious to us in giving us the opportunity of free will, because he gives us the opportunity to choose for ourselves who we will serve, we, we, we have these three responses. And the, the first response is this, I can dig in. And so when circumstances are uncontrollable, you know what I can do when I dig in? I can try and control them all the more. I try and hang on for dear life. Uh, when, when, uh, when people are unchangeable, I try to make them change even more. No, you will do what I say. You will have fun, so help me, God. I can dig in, 
pushing, bite my bottom lip. Less of a, you become less of a servant of God and more you want to be God because you want to control. I can give in. And I just, I'm just tired of fighting. I'm just tired of fighting. I'm just tired of, man, it is hard to, to walk a narrow road than the wide road. And I'm just, I'm just gonna give in because I can't explain this. And God, if you were really so loving, why would you allow this to happen? Why would you say okay to this in the grand scheme of things? And I can give in to my questions or I can give in to the circumstance. I can give in to the unexplainable and just surrender. I can lean in. And this is a scary one because I can so easily lean one way or the other. The book of Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. And that's what we love to do. Help me make sense of this. Answer my question. Why? Because if you answer my question, I will understand more. And the Bible is countercultural to that. You've got to understand that sometimes you're just not going to understand. Sometimes you're not gonna have the answer. Sometimes you say, yeah, I wish the word of God wasn't clear on these particular things or these particular lives or this particular sin or this particular movement or this particular attribute of God, but he's holy and I, I can't explain it and, and, and it's uncontrollable and, and it's unchangeable, but I, I can't lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, I yield to him and he's the one who makes the path straight. But we love to lean into our own thinking. In the third act of Hamlet, the the character says, to thine own self be true. In another one that would be maybe a little bit more popular to some of us, in another very powerful, powerful writing, Pinocchio, Jiminy, Jiminy Crickets says, and always let your conscience be your guide. What? Don't. Don't. Don't listen to talking crickets. Like they will lie to crickets or liars. Because when you let your own conscience be your guide, your conscience is broken. Your conscience is faulty. Your emotions lie to you. Liar, liar, pants on fire are your emotions. You got to be careful. And when you lean into that, you know, your, your, your emotions can lean you away from God and not into God. Um, James Lipton is had this long-running television show called Inside uh, the Actor's Studio. And he interviewed actors. He had 10, 10 questions that he would ask them. What's your favorite word? What's your least favorite word? What's your favorite sound? Like simple questions. And, and just because they're actors, I guess everybody just wants to hear, what's your favorite word? What's your least favorite word? It's like, oh, it's Tom Cruise. His favorite word is yes or whatever. I don't know. The 10th question, the 10th question was always the same. And the 10th question was this. James Lipton would ask, if heaven exists, what would you like God to say when you arrive at the pearly gates? And many actors have had many different answers. He was interviewing uh, Robert De Niro. I can't do a Robert De Niro impression or I'd you know, I, I would do whatever. I, hope, I, I wish it was Sean Connery. I could do a little bit of Sean Connery, money penny, but, but, but not, not Robert De Niro. And that, even that one's terrible. <clears throat> Robert De Niro is asked the question, if heaven exists, what would you like God to say when you arrive at the pearly gates? And Robert De Niro's answer was, if heaven exists, God's got a lot of explaining to do. And I, and I want to pause for just a minute and say, how arrogant. But, but let's, not, let's not beat up on, on, on Rob. How arrogant that really we see that and that tickles us as Christ followers. That, but yet when we lean on our own understanding, we're trying to make sense of things. When we lean on our own, when we try to control and explain and change, when things are unchangeable, unexplainable, and uncontrollable, it's basically like us saying, you better explain yourself, God, as though we're God and he's the creation, as though we're the leader and he is the servant. And so we all have to be careful. The word of God is our moral compass for every decision we make. Do you know what as a parent I want to do? You know, if I can just help my kids become this, become this, parents, listen, teach our kids to become great deciders. If they can become great deciders, we're going to raise some good kids. Great deciders. But 
if you get them to make great decisions based on Jiminy Cricket, based on the news cycle, and based on whatever cultural norm comes this way and is gone like the blowing of wind, they're going to be great deciders that make terrible decisions. But if we will help our kids become great deciders based on the word of God as the moral compass of every decision we make, watch out, world changers right there. And the word of God shows us how to, how, where to start on all this unchangeable, uncontrollable, unexplainable stuff. Above all else, above all else, get the last word in edgewise on Facebook these days because you know if, if nobody hears your opinion on a mask, like the world is gonna be broken. Above all else, make sure you just tell people how you feel. Above all else, make sure it's your way or the highway. Above all else, guard your heart. Because everything you do flows from it. How do we do that? How is the question we've been asking and stay positive. If we want to guard our heart because everything flows from there, the Apostle Paul, as he is uh, taking some vacay in Destin, Florida, enjoying a pina colada, listening to whoever, I don't know, Kenny Loggins, what? I'm, I'm not for sure. No, he's in prison. He's in prison, in chains, and he gives us the guidance of guarding our heart. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Don't be anxious about anything in every situation by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God and the promise, the premise and the promise. If you'll do this, then the God of peace, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. This is how we guard our heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And as we end this series today, we're going to take a little bit further journey into what Paul is writing. He's finishing some thoughts here. And he goes on to say, now finally, 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 brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, okay? Like he's saying, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, Remember when very first week of this series, if you weren't here, I invite you to go back through TimberCreekChurch.com and you can listen to some of the series previously or download the, the Timber Creek app. But I talked about the way we think affects the way we feel. The way we feel affects the way we act. We want to change behavior, but behavior is the third piece. We have to change the way we think. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Transformed mind equals a transformed control on the feelings and emotions equals a, a transformation of the, of, of, of the physical release of those feelings into the actions and attributes of our life. Whatever you think about those things. And he says... Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, like put it into practice. I want to be a model citizen. I, I want to be not just a model citizen. I want to be a model Christ follower. Like follow me as I follow Christ. And he says it again. He doubles down. He says, and the God of peace will be with you. He'll be with you. Look, I know what it's like, he says, to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. Anybody ever been on one side of that equation? I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. What? Are you sure? Yeah. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then he gives us one of the most famous scriptures that is so famously misinterpreted all the time. He gives us one of the most famous lines that people use all the time, and it's this. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And we will take that scripture and we apply it to running, running the race. We apply it to, I can do all things through Christ. I'm going to start this business, bless God. And that's okay. Pray it, write it, put it on the wall. That's okay. I mean, make it your vision statement, but you're taking it out of context. He's saying, I can do all this, have a lot or not have a lot. Really not know what's going on and being secure at the same time. I, I, I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. I mean, man, this peace, I want more of it. And to be honest, I, I can live without it. There are times where I'm, I'm dressed in it and other times I'm running naked without it. As a pastor, yeah, just as a person, as a person. And so what I wanna do is, is I want us to get some handlebars on the idea of peace. And by doing that for the rest of the time we have, I wanna just drill down a little deeper on these three attributes of peace, the character of peace, the disciplines of peace, and then I'm gonna give you a secret 
of peace, okay? I'm gonna give the broadcast location peace. I'm gonna turn, on the, I'll turn off the, the, the video. Nacogdoches isn't gonna know it. Online campus isn't gonna know it. You're just gonna know the secret. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, Nac, I'm kidding. All right, online, you're, you're there. We're, 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 I'm gonna tell you, okay, you're not missing out. Character of peace, let's start there. Character of peace, the, the kind of what it's made of, the stuff it's made of, defining it. You can write this down. Peace would be like an inner calm and equilibrium. It most certainly isn't an outer calm because out here, you're not gonna be able to control the craziness and chaos out here in order to, if I can just get more of this, then I'll be calm in here. It's from the inside out. And it has to do with more of a balance and equilibrium. Inside the inner ear, you have the, I think it's vestibulus apparatus, the vestibule, whatever that is. Inside, it, it affects your equilibrium. And the equilibrium is what keeps you from just like falling over. It keeps you from feeling vertigo. It, it, it keeps you from, from feeling sick and dizzy. And that equilibrium, you get, you get ear, water in there. You, you get it messed up. It, it, can, it can affect. You get stuffy. It can, it, it can change you. And you can lose your balance. You can be off balance. Look at the equilibrium that we just read. In fact, all of this character, discipline, and secret of peace is all in what Paul has just shared with us through Philippians 4. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. You can't operate in the middle of those without equilibrium. You can't operate in, in with, with like, man, I don't know where the next check is going to come from and have contentment and have peace if you don't have the, the balancing power of the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. It gives us balance. It gives us balance. It, it helps us. With equilibrium. It, it's not just this, but it's also uh, and not an absence of fear, but more a presence that protects. When you have peace, it's not like you are just thinking happy thoughts, thinking happy thoughts, or like Costanza's dad in Seinfeld, serenity now! Like if I drown out everything out here, I don't have to think about everything else. It's not an absence of being afraid. It's more of a presence that protects. Look at the scripture. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. That original language of, of, of guarding, that original language is meaning a military idea. It's a military idea. And the idea is that inside a city, the battalion leaves the city walls and it circles the walls of the city. The walls, the walls are fortifying the city, but there is an enemy coming and the, the, the army has surrounded the walls and they have their backs to the wall, their spears out, their shields up, and they're ready to take on whatever's gonna come up over that mountain. I want you to know that that's the kind of presence the peace of God brings to guard. This is what Paul is meaning. He's guarding. What does it feel like to have to have God himself guarding in front of the walls of your heart, you, from whatever life may bring to you. You know, there's another way that, there's another uh, reality crouching at the gate of your heart. In Genesis, God says to Cain, he says, careful Cain, sin is crouching at your door, desires to have you. Don't do, don't, don't give in to it, Cain. And yet, Jesus wants to guard you. You know how much, you know, you may be afraid, but how much better it is when you know that someone's at your door staying up, keeping the peace, watching out for you. There's a, there's a peace when you're guarded like that. Finally, on the character of peace, it's not found, it's learned. I don't just like like I found an old watch or like I found that, that uh, shoe that I had misplaced. I got one of them. I didn't find the other one. I'm like, oh, there it is. You don't just find peace and put it in your pocket. You don't just find, you don't just say, oh, look, I found peace with them, okay? I've just found peace. No, 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 no. It is, it is learned. Uh, you know, raising two kids, now they can, they can swim like fish. But anybody remember when you were raising kids and teaching them how to swim? If, if, you, if you knew how to swim, my mom didn't know how to swim. So it was really awkward when she tried to teach us how to swim. Just get in there and I don't know. <laughs> but uh, when dad taught us how to swim, it was a lot easier. We're like, oh, this makes sense. <laughs> you know, you don't just try to whatever. Mom's like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I just never learned it. 
but I will teach you how to bake spaghetti. <laughs> Dad would put us out in the pool, and I remember hanging on. Even more, I remember what it was like when my little girl, who's 17 now, but when she was two or three, and we're getting out there, and she's, she, she's learning for the first time to be out there by herself, and she's starting to take the floaties off, she's getting out, and, and she, she's death grip on Dad. Death grip on my neck with her, with, you know, those little baby sharp fingernails, just grabbing on. Daddy, no, 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 no. I'm like, do, do, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? There is not a single other person in this pool that's going to care more about your well-being than me. I know they're the, they're the good looking lifeguard over there, but daddy is going to take care of you. And the more we are there, the more she learns she can trust the hands of her dad. The more she learns, she can come out. And then, and then eventually, you know what she's doing? She's standing on the ledge, and, and I'm, I'm backing up. I'm saying, okay, okay, one, two, three. And she jumps in, and then I go further, go further, go further. And that's the peace of God. That's the peace of God of a heavenly father that says, I'm not always going to be holding you so tight, but I want you to know I'll never leave you or forsake you. And wherever you are, there may be even a distance between us. I am going to provide peace that passes understanding. It's learned. Paul says it himself. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. He didn't come full grown into that. Uh, when he's, he's knocked off his uh, 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 donkey, <laughs> when he's knocked off his donkey, and Jesus approaches him, he's going to Damascus. Oh, there's a, there's a sermon in there, Damascus, bless God. We need to be demasked. Anyway. <laughs> It's not in the notes. Damascus. He's going to Damascus. Bless God. Jesus, come in Damascus. <laughs> Sorry. He had to learn it. He had to learn it through trial and error. He had to learn it. And if the Apostle Paul had to learn it, so will you. Okay. So, how do we learn it? How, how do we learn the disciplines of peace. In this same passage, he gives us three ways, three simple ways, simple to say, hard to engage, but not impossible to engage. The first is this, think about these things. You think thousands of thoughts every single day, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of thoughts. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of thoughts every single day. You are bombarded by thoughts, your thoughts, other people's thoughts. Other people's thoughts that are good, other people's thoughts that are bad. Your thoughts that turn good, that turn bad, that get lost. Thinking, 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 thinking. You think about certain things every single day. And as I said at the beginning of this series, your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. It's not the stress at your job that's the big deal. It's the way you think about stress at your job that becomes the big deal. That, that's how you think about it. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. So, so look, Paul shows us, how do you think about these things? He says, whatever is true, whatever's noble, and whatever's right. That's part of what we should be thinking about. Now, if you understand, if you understand um, practical theology and you understand um, uh, Pauline epistles as a whole, when you see Romans and First and Second Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians, Colossians and First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy and Titus and Philemon, you see all those, and you begin to see the pattern within all of Paul's writings when he's talking about nobility, when he's talking about rightness or righteousness, when he's talking about truth. He's actually wanting you to think about the bigness of God. He's wanting you to take on doctrine and sin and the majesty of God and the human nature to push away from him. And the world's answer for you and for me to find serenity now is for us to avoid thinking about it. No, 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 no. I don't even want to think about that right now. I don't even want to open that bill right now. I don't even want to have a conversation. I want to actually avoid that. I'm going to turtle up. I'm going to go tortoise on this thing. I'm going to avoid the situation. I don't even, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to think about it. And the truth is, that's what culture is, is inviting us to not think about it. If you go in, if, if, if you go into Barnes & Noble and you go through the self-help line, uh, the self-help aisle. I want to promise you. I, I'm just going to, I promise you. you have, look, 
Check it out next time. Check it out. You go to whatever book. Stressed out? I can help. Don't be stressed. Stressed backwards is desserts. Uh, whatever. <laughs> how to be unstressed for idiots. Uh, all these different books, they're not going to, I'm going to tell you how they're not going to start. They're not going to start like, think really big things like, what is the meaning of life? Where have I come from? How do I, where am I going? What are the answers to life's toughest questions? That's, no, they're going to get you to behave, not to think. Take a, take a breath. Let your mind go. Don't think about it. Find a happy place. Set that aside. Don't let that trigger you. And, and I'm all down for some behavior modification, but not as the ends to the means. It's got to start with thinking, affecting feeling, affecting the actions. And we can start there. But God says, no, 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 don't start by forgetting about it. Start by remembering the biggest things of life. There is a God that created a perfect world and we broke it. We broke it, everybody, because we wanted to be God and not him. But he, and it's broken and it's cursed, but he's got a plan to bring it back. He's going to make it all right again. He's going to bring everything. In fact, right now, it's not you trying to prepare a place for you in heaven. He's preparing a place for you. That's good big news for you. So the world wants to give you some superficial peace, but God is providing you some sustaining peace. Here's what superficial peace looks like. Yo-ho-ho to the bottle I go to heal my heart and drown my woe. I just, I, you know what? I got to get out of this job. I'm going to get out of these shoes. I'm going to pour me a big glass. I, I, I'm going to get off. I'm going to get away from the family. Get out onto the, onto the boat or to the uh, deer lease. Nothing wrong with the deer lease. Nothing wrong with the boat. I spent almost all day on a boat yesterday. It was not calming whatsoever. There's like 94 people out there. I like half of them. The other half are my kids. Anyway, superficial peace says, forget about it. Don't worry. Be happy. Uh, don't, 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 let, don't, don't, don't let your mind wander into the big things. In fact, in fact, ease your pain. Ease your pain with making yourself feel good. Doesn't everybody deserve to feel good? Don't we deserve it? I deserve that. I just want to. I just want to kind of numb myself through this, and that's the danger of alcohol. It's the danger of uh, things that become addictions. It's the danger of anything—a hobby that can become a release for you to not think about things. So instead of something that's uncontrollable, I go to my hobby to forget about it. Versus reminding myself, God is. And in this uncontrollable, unexplainable, unchangeable situation, God is still God. Now, let me chase the rabbit hole. Let's follow Alice down the rabbit hole for a minute here. And I want to go to, I want to, I want to give you a quote from the seminal source of the theory of evolution, Charles Darwin. And then I'm going to give you another one from, uh, from a from another American, okay? The first one is this, Charles Darwin. Here's what he says. A person who has no assured belief in the existence of a personal God and no belief in a future existence with retribution and reward, meaning if you don't believe in God, you don't believe there's any consequences to behavior, there's no right final authority uh, for your life other than the way you feel and the way you treat other people, such a person, such a person can have for his rule of life, as far as I see, Darwin says, only to follow whatever impulses and instincts are the strongest or whatever seems to him to be the best ones. If that's not a description of the way culture would love for you to live, I don't know what a better one would be. Whatever seems right to you, just do. Just do. Oliver Wendell Holmes, a Republican associate chief justice in the Supreme Court, he was writing to a personal friend. This isn't his belief, but he was teasing out the thought. He's teasing out this thought of what if there's no God? And here's what he says. He says, there's no reason for attributing to a man a significant difference, a significance different in kind from that which belongs to a baboon or a grain of sand. If we're all here for no reason, we're all just kind of accidentally made through a process, 
The world has produced me and the rattlesnake. But I will kill it, the rattlesnake, if I get the chance. And the only reason is because it is incongruous to the world I want. I'm not any better than the rattlesnake. I just don't want a rattlesnake living in my kitchen. He goes on to say, it's incongruous to the world I want. The world everyone is trying to make according to one's own power. I want you to know that the, the, the real issue with sin is not the act that you commit. It's the authority you reject. I've been saying it since the beginning of the year. And I'm going to keep saying it. It's about the authority you reject. It's, it's, it's about saying, God, I'm in charge. I know you said it this way. That doesn't, that doesn't jive with today. It doesn't jive with me. That's antiquated. That's, I know you said to forgive one another, but I'm not, no, I, I got to hang on to this. They need to know. Like, I, I know you said to live like this, but no, I'm going to push it. I want to be God. Now, you wouldn't maybe say those exact words, but by our actions, we are declaring by one's own power, I want to create the world I want to live in. And that's what happens when we live with superficial peace. Superficial peace is, I'm just going to do whatever I can to not think about it. And sustaining peace is, think big, big, big picture. The world has spun out of control, but God is bringing it back. So now let me challenge you. If you're a Christ follower and you're not at peace, if you're investigating the claims of Christ and you don't feel a lot of peace, but you've not asked Jesus to be the center of your life, I want you to know that there's, there's just... Some things you'll never experience until you invite Jesus into your life. I'm not shaming you. I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you. You, you, can, have, you can have some superficial peace, but it's temporary. Sustaining peace, sustaining peace can come. But if you're a Christ follower and you're not at peace, do you know what it could be? It could be you're not thinking about the right things. It may be that all you can think about is the circumstance the people, or the problem. And I got a backup. And when I face those things, I say, man, my, my problem is so big and God feels so small. But the more I pray, my, my problem is big, my God is small. My problem is big, I pray, I give it to God. The peace that passes understanding comes. My problems are not as big as I thought because wow, God is so much bigger than I even realized. And my God is bigger and my problems are smaller. And my God is bigger and my problems are, and my God is big enough to deal with any problem, big or small, in my concept, because God is sovereign. Think the right things. Number two, how do you learn the disciplines? Thank him in all things. Thank him in all things. All things, yeah, I know, it's crazy. But you ought to read the Bible sometime. It's, in, it's interesting, all things. Do you know how we want things to go down? Here's how we want, if we were God, this is how we would do it probably, right? We would say, make a request, get the request, thank him for the answer, okay? I'd like a Diet Coke with, with lime. I get the Diet Coke with lime. Thank you, I appreciate that. I, get the, I ask for the Diet Coke with lime. I get a Diet Coke with lemon. I say, what were you thinking? I asked for lime, were you paying attention? And then after Janet touches me you know, on the knee like this with a sharp edge of a pen, I say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm the pastor over at First Baptist and I just lost my control. I'm sorry about that. I'm kidding, I don't say that, I don't say that. I say Harmony Hill. I'm kidding! It's a joke, jokes people, stay positive. No, first of all, if I ever did that, you have the right not to just poke me in the side but pierce me in the eye with a fork. Christians being rude to wait waiters and waitresses makes me sick. Uh, that, that is the truth. Make a request this is the real way. You thank him for whatever answer he's gonna give you because you gotta know he's a big God and he knows more than you do. And even though I want it this way and I see it this way and I don't understand why you're letting this happen and I thought we were gonna be all out in the clear and then it happened again, we got another bad report and then, then this takes place and I just don't even know what to do. But I thank him no matter what and I, I'm gonna continue to worship him. I'm gonna continue to trust him. I gotta lean into him and not on my own understanding because it's so easy to wanna lean on my own understanding and it's okay to put my face in the pillow and say, God, what is going on? He can handle your questions and you ought to, you ought to just be able to have some honest to God conversations, but not honest to God conversations with just your friends on Facebook, but honest to God conversations about God, with God. He can handle it. But if we can learn the art of thanking him for whatever answer, he gives us the peace in the process. You know, there's a scripture that's a lot easier to give someone going through hell than it is to receive it when you're going through hell. 
The, the, the scripture that's easier to give than to receive is Romans 8, 28. And it starts like this. And we know that God causes everything. Now, if we stop there, we'll take that scripture completely out of context. And people stop there and they say, why would a loving God cause this? Why would a loving God allow this? Why would a loving God let this? Why would a loving God make me feel this? God causes everything, but that's, you're going to get it. You're going to get it twisted. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good. God doesn't cause everything. A broken world we live in. Stuff happens. Tragedy takes place. It rains on the just and the unjust. Kids get sick. Grandpas pass away suddenly. Everything happens. Does everything happen for a reason? That's not what the scripture says. The scripture does not say, everything happens for a reason. But it does say, in everything you've gone through, God can take that and weave it into a canvas of your life with peace called according to his purpose for them. Now think about it this way. That's abstract and it's easier read than done. It's easier read than done. But I want you to, to think about this. Think about the day our Lord Jesus Christ was assassinated. He was crucified, executed in the middle of two common criminals. His friends, his own mom, his own mom watched her baby die. But the angel said, the angel, the angel said his it's going to be good. This isn't good. John is trying to comfort her as Jesus says, take care of my mama. Jesus cries out. He's been saying, Lazarus, come forth. And now he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And his friends and his disciples are hearing this, whether close or at a distance. They did not go home saying, God has a plan. They couldn't see it. Those friends of Jesus went home and battened down the hatches. They dimmed the lanterns. They closed the drapes. And they said, what good could ever come from this? What's going to happen next? They're going to come kill us too now. They've seen us with him. How could anything ever good happen? And yet, listen carefully, friends. And yet, they were looking at the greatest moment in human history when the son of the living God paid for yours and my sin. It was the greatest thing, but they couldn't see it then. It's the greatest sacrifice, but they didn't get it then. And I, and I know that that's a hard verse to, to apply, but just know, hang on, joy comes in the morning even in the middle of the pain, he can still be God. Think about it. Think about his bigness. Thank him in all things. Number three, you got to love the right thing that cannot change. We love things, don't we? We love stuff. We love people. And, and love is love. Love is love. That's what we say these days. The Greek philosophers said back centuries ago, okay, and I'm concluding with this. The Greek philosophers said the only way to, to, to safeguard yourself, the only way to build a firewall in your life from hurt and turmoil and tragedy and pain, the only way to like keep yourself from, from losing it with all the uncontrollable, unexplainable, unchangeable situations is to not love anything except one thing, to love your own virtue. That's what the Greek philosophers said. To love your own virtue, to thine own self, be true. In other words, love honesty, love being courageous, love being good characteristics, patient and kind. Like love those things because those are the things you can control. But we've said it already. Michaela tossed me that. We said it a couple of weeks ago. I can try and control my virtue. I can tr try and restrain myself with enough virtue. I can try and hold my, my frustrations back. I'm a, <laughs> the joy of the Lord is my strength when really it's Jeremy is the source of my strength and I'm trying to restrain myself. And I'm like I said, like serenity now. But the more I have unexplainable, uncontrollable and unchangeable situations, the less strength I have to try and hold everything together. And it's why people walk around broken or lose it because they don't have all that it takes. You can't hang on to all your vir virtue. You you are a broken person without the grace and love and mercy and kindness of Jesus that puts our pieces back together again. 
You know the old nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall and he had a great fall and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put him together again. And many people trying to get the king's horses and the king's men trying to help them restrain their lives. And so do you know there's a better end to Humpty Dumpty? I like to see that, I like to say that the king himself stepped off the throne, met Humpty Dumpty in his brokenness because the king's horses and the king's men couldn't do it. But the love of the one true king, the hands of the one true king, supernaturally puts the broken boy back together. That's the peace of God. And so I'm inviting you to love the right thing that cannot change. Do you mean we shouldn't love our families? I love my kids. I love my wife. I die for my wife. No, no, no. Love your wife. But I want you to understand. Do you know the essence of what you love most about your kids is actually the glimpses of God in them, their innocence and their purity and their goodness and and their love for you? And that's God. That's God. A spouse that you can lean on and they will honor you and they they have your best intention and there's, there's intimacy. Those are attributes that, that, that your spouse doesn't have perfectly down, but God does. So if you can love family and spouses and kids and work and stuff, if you can love it through the lens of loving the right thing that will never change, because I want to tell you, my kids will let me down, and my spouse will let me down, and I will let them down, but God is faithful. And do you know that circumstances can't take that away? Circumstances can't take God's love and grace away from you. And think about it this way. Think about it this way. Even the worst circumstances will give you more of it. The worst circumstances. When we pray for someone who's sick, God, would you join us in this room and heal my dad? God, will you join us in the room and take this pain away? Even the worst circumstance would give them even more presence of God. When we think big, 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 big picture, we're all here for a season. We are physical beings on a spiritual journey that's very temporary. The spiritual journey is forever. The physical journey is temporary. And even the worst circumstances give us the opportunity when we think big that I get to be with Jesus. I want him now. I'd love to have his presence and his peace right now. But I have all his presence and all his peace unfettered. Full access. Face to face. The secret of peace. Here's the secret. All right. Here's the formula. And it's not a formula. It's the secret. And I want you to, I want to show you show you move the slides guys please on the convenience monitor when we talked about philippians and we talked about these elements we talked about whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right those are the things that we really need to be engaging to be thinking about god so now here's your here's your homework assignment here's your homework assignment okay everybody okay nagadoches here's your homework assignment i want you to go home today find five minutes that's all five five minutes sit down on your favorite chair and go like this and think, just think, think about the bigness of God. Think, 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 think about it, think about it. And can I tell you, even though that's part of learning, it's not all of it. You're not gonna think yourself into the beauty of who God is. So he doesn't stop with just doctrine. Build yourself on doctrine. He says, whatever's pure and whatever's lovely and whatever's admirable, Think on these things. There is an equilibrium at work of thinking and thanking and loving. And so let me give you the secret of peace. And before I give it to you, let me tell you that I've struggled myself with it. I grew up in a Christian home with a daddy who was a pastor and still is. Now he's a pastor of pastors. And I grew up in a home of serving the Lord Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday afternoon, Saturday. We cleaned. We were the custodians. We were the kids. Uh, we were the kids uh, directors. Uh, we were the bus drivers. We were the outreach people. Tiny little church, Monette, Missouri. And I learned pretty quick. And I, and I think not by any, this is not wrong. It just wasn't whole. I learned real fast that top part of the nobility. Go ahead, Cody. 
the nobility, the truth, the righteousness of God. I learned all that quick. And I learned, be a good soldier in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. And I learned all, all the things of, of, of actually being afraid of hell more than I understood even who Jesus was. It built in me this do right, do the right thing, do the right thing, do the right thing. And that will only get you so far. In fact, that won't give, get you very far. And I still struggle with that. Trying to earn my salvation. The sermon's got to be better. The, the church, we were having 20. I mean, it was hard to find a seat in here. You go from a church of 2,400 people showing up on a Sunday and you got more empty seats than you have full seats. Not to diminish the reality of many of you watching online. I'm, I'm not belittling that. But man, it don't feel very good as a pastor. If I find God through the results of me being a leader, trying to do the right thing, trying to say the right thing, and even if you try to say the right thing, somebody else is going to say you didn't say the right thing. Welcome to 2020, everybody. But can I tell you what I am still learning? so sad that it's a secret because it ought not be find him attractive find him lovely because if you just find him big he will feel unapproachable but when you find him like God Emmanuel God with us He'll meet you in the hospital room. He'll meet you in the boardroom. He'll, he'll meet you as you sit on the edge of your bed in the bedroom with tears streaming down your cheeks, wondering, when is this ever going to get better? Find him attractive. He's lovely. He cares. He's beautiful. And whatever is pure, he is. Whatever's lovely, oh, he is. He loves you at that that same love. And I finish with this story. Horatio Spafford in 1871, a successful attorney in Chicago, lost everything along, along with thousands of other people in the great Chicago fire. Lost everything. He had a lot to lose. His wife and four daughters began to rebuild. Three years later, they were going to take a vacation together, Horatio, Anna, his wife, and their four little girls. And the couple of days before the journey, Horatio had a legal situation come up and it caused him to have to stay in Chicago. But he sent Anna and the four daughters on ahead in the journey and said, maybe I'll be able to come join you or not. They were actually going to travel with a, a famous evangelist at the time, D.L. Moody. They were friends of D.L. Moody. Well, Anna and the four daughters boarded the ship and halfway through the Atlantic, they were hit by another vessel causing their ship to sink. 212 people died that night in the ocean. Anna was knocked unconscious but was pulled out of the water into a boat. But Horatio and Anna's four little girls drowned that night. When Anna got to the other side of the Atlantic, she sent a telegram to Horatio, and when he opened it, there were only two words. And sometimes you only need two words. Sometimes you have no words. And the two words that Anna sent across the ocean, saved alone. I can't, I don't want to imagine went through, but I know that some of you have gone through turmoil like that, and you feel saved alone. Horatio got on the next ship and began to travel across to join Anna 
on the other side of the world. And as he was journeying on that ship, standing at the edge of the boat, watching the waves, he began to pen this old hymn. And these are the words in the hymn that Horatio Spafford wrote in 1873. When peace like a river attendeth my way. That feels good when peace flows like a river into your life. But now do you see his equilibrium? Watch his equilibrium and his trust in God. Peace may flow like a river, but also when sorrows like sea billows roll. He says, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say. And I want to tell you, culture will teach you to say, forget it, God. Culture will teach you to say, pick yourself up by the bootstraps. Culture will teach you to say, everything happens for a reason. You can live beyond that. Like Horatio in the middle of hell on earth. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. The third verse of this hymn says, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. What? Bliss? Sin and bliss? Yeah, 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 yeah. My sin, not the part, but all of it all of it how does he find equilibrium he thinks big is nailed to the cross i bear it no more the the weight of my the weight of my sin has been carried by jesus the the things that i don't understand he has taken on his own praise the lord praise the lord oh my soul i want you to know friend if you feel like you're being punished god why are you doing this to me i want you to remember think big he took all the punishment there was to ever take he lost all his peace so that you could have all the peace if you feel like god doesn't care right now again look what he did look what he So when you feel yourself in the tension between right now and when God's going to show up, you can have the peace of God too. It's not found, but it can be learned. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray over my friends. In fact, as I'm praying, if you're here in one of our campuses and you need peace, you need the peace of God. Just put a hand up in the air. Let me pray for you today. I need the peace of God that transcends understanding. God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, the hands here, the hands over in Nacogdoches and online, that you would give them peace. Father, for those that need to invite you into their life because they will know, know, not know peace until they know the person of peace. Peace isn't a philosophy. Peace is the person of Jesus. Right now, if you need to invite Jesus for the first time or the first time in a long time, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. Thank you for not being mad at me, but loving me so much you'd give me this moment to make things right with you. I receive your peace today. In Jesus' name.